leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. And today we are here with Federal Career Connection. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. And I am here with the amazing Timothy Lowe, who founded Your Next Jump. Hey, Tim, Tim how are you? Good. Hey, Renee. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So before we get started, folks, um, everyone that's here, we like to shout people out. If anyone is watching or for the folks who are watching on YouTube, on uh, LinkedIn, we're on Twitch, we're on Twitter. So on all these various places, please chime in and let us know where you are um, currently located and where you are watching us from, where you're listening in from. Um, we are here again, like I said, on uh, doing our breaking into cybersecurity with Federal Career Connections. As you all are aware, we do this the last Wednesday of every month. Um, and with anyone that's in Federal Career Connection or anyone that comes off of Federal Career Connection either has some kind of tie to the federal industry. As you all well know, I don't have any ties. So I bring on the experts that have ties uh, to the federal government. Again, another thing I want to let everyone know, please subscribe. So click on the buttons, the YouTube link, you know, follow me on, on LinkedIn um, and follow Breaking Into Cybersecurity on LinkedIn as well. So Tim Lowe started Your Next Jump, which really, really focuses on resumes, interviewing strategies, you know, all the things that we get questions about probably every day when it comes to job seeking you know, the very first thing people want to know is about their resumes, um, you know, how to how to create a good resume, what stands out, all of those great things. Um, but before we get into that, I definitely want to hear from Tim in regards to um, how you even got here. So tell us about your, your federal experience and then how what made you um, take a leap to your next jump <laughs> since that was your next jump. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, hey, thanks, Renee, and um, hello, listeners. I'm glad to be here. And um, just a little bit of background about about me and 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 where my where I landed federally, and then uh, how I got to where I am now. So, um, so I graduated uh, from Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, in 2003, and uh, and I was um, looking for my first job then. And uh, I my first job out of grad school out of school really was. Um, at a place called Fort McNair at the National Defense University. So it was right after 9-11. Uh, I really uh, wanted to be involved with uh, something related to defense and foreign policy. And, uh, and I landed my first role there uh, as a research associate um, at one of the think tanks. And so some of you guys might know, especially if you're in the military, um, uh, National Defense University is, uh, uh, you know, sort of, there's two schools there. There's the uh, uh, National War College and then the Industrial College of the Armed Forces. And in addition to that, there's, at that time when I was there, there was maybe six, seven, maybe a dozen think tanks that were there. Uh, and a lot of uh, pretty senior folks actually were working there at, at the time. Uh, oftentimes, it's kind of looked at as a, as a holding tank, right, for folks that, um, whatever political party that they're not in. So a lot of, you know, undersecretaries or former undersecretaries um, from the Pentagon uh, that were there uh, while while, their, while the other party was in, was in power. And so I worked at a place called the Center for Technology and National Security Policy. I uh, worked there for four years uh, as a federal employee. Uh, loved uh, almost every minute of it. Um, just great exposure. Got to work with some really great people. Uh, my boss, um, uh, David Gompert, uh, was, uh, ended up being the acting DNI. Um, uh, I think right before Clapper, uh, and uh, and another one of my bosses was the uh, he was the the head of the the Naval Research Lab. So just really senior folks, great opportunity to do some research and uh, and get my name slapped on a few publications. Uh, after that, um, uh, I, I went the federal consulting route, worked at Booz Allen for four years, Grant Thornton for another four years, uh, and then a few other uh, uh, management consulting firms doing both commercial and, and, and federal consulting. Uh, and in between, I started a few different companies, uh, one working with, uh, actually in manufacturing, working with inmates uh, who manufacture in, in federal prison, uh, working with Unicor, uh, also you know, called Federal Prison Industries. And then uh, I started Your Next Jump about seven years ago with uh, with a business partner. And um, yeah, I've been, been doing that since then. I, I do, one of the reasons why I started Your Next Jump, you know, I just remember what it was like looking for a job, uh, you know, especially out of grad school, I was looking for a job. And um, and I remember, you know, people I come up and ask you all the time, hey, how, how's your job search going, right? And you're like, uh, how the heck do I answer that question? How is my job search going? Until I actually have a job, I can't even answer that question. And so I remember it was a kind of an anxiety, anxious filled time in my life. And and so we started Your Next Jump because we want to help people during this period of time when, when they feel anxiety or anxiousness, not knowing what's next, um, but really giving them some confidence uh, in their job search uh, and giving them the right tools so that they can feel confident in, 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 in what they're doing. So uh, that's a little background about me. That's awesome. So Tim, do you, do, do you work with mostly people who are undergrad or are new, like going into their first rules, or do you work with folks who, um, who span the gamut, who are, you know, experienced hires, new hire, you know, looking for their very first job, what yeah. kind of area do you typically focus in? 
Yeah, the, the vast majority of our clients, uh, and we've worked with a little over 8,000 clients, um, starting out in, in the Washington, D.C. area, but, but really working with folks all over the country now, uh, the vast majority of our clients are actually mid-career, so loosely defined age-wise, probably early 30s to, to mid-50s. Um, I would say about 15% of our clients are director level and above uh, type folks, so executives, um, senior directors, VPs, and then probably a really small handful of maybe about 5% of our clients are what we would call new grads, uh, which you know, folks that are within you know, five years out of school. So most of our clients are, are, are well-established, have been, have been working for a while, uh, looking to grow in their career, uh, and some people looking you know, to find their calling. So. Cool. And are they typically um, all all different types of industries, all different types of skill sets? Is it technology focused? Is it is there a, you know, an area or the type of folk that would come to you? Would they be, you know, is it does it span the gamut? Yeah, yeah. Um, so our folks come from all different types of industries, whether it's healthcare, legal, IT, tons of IT folks. Um, uh, we probably just being in the Washington DC area, this, this number is probably a little bit less now, uh, just cause we've expanded to a lot of different markets. But, um, you know, when we first started probably about 40% of our clients would be federal related. So not necessarily federal employees, maybe some that are looking to be federal employees, but also a lot of folks that are, you know, federal contractors, the Booz Allen's, the Deloitte's, Accenture's, the PWC's. And then of course, you know, some of the system integrators, lead system integrators, like, you know, the Lockheed Martins, Northrop Grumman's, uh, Raytheon's, uh, and then probably the other 60% of our clients come from just, you know, just general private sector um, with uh, a, a, just a variety of backgrounds. So, Okay. Awesome. So right in the wheelhouse of the folks that listen to us, because they yeah. tend to uh, mostly in the technology and security space um, and tend to be career, uh, you know, make career. We do have some folks who are just now breaking into the cybersecurity, hence add the name of our podcast. But um, we also interact a lot with people who are doing a lot of mid-career changes um, and just growth, looking for growth opportunities and looking for a better um, a better opportunity and would need things like, you know, an updated resume, not being rusty when it comes to interviewing. So, Timothy, I know this is your wheelhouse, the resume space and the interviewing strategy space. So walk us through when, you know, when you see when someone comes to you and you see some of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to resumes. Um, I guess we'll start with resumes first and then we'll jump into interviewing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we certainly work with a lot of folks, um, you know, who are looking to get their resumes done. And, um, you know, whenever we talk about resumes, we we kind of start from the beginning. So we always want to, there, there's a little, uh, a little bit of also explaining our process. Um, we don't want to just write a resume for a client, uh, because if they don't feel confident speaking to it, that's a big problem. And so for us, it's as important for us um, in addition to writing a really nice, really strong, really compelling resume, is that they also feel confident, that they also feel to some degree comfortable about the resume. But we also challenge a lot of notions about what should go into a resume. And so whenever we write a resume, there, there's two goals that we have. One is a lot of resumes, most resumes, and I think if you're listening to this podcast right now, pull out your resume, is um, is resumes oftentimes tend to read sort of like job descriptions. It's really natural for people to do that. People tend to put down, these are my day-to-day -day activities. These are my roles and responsibilities. How many people I manage, size of the budget. These are projects that I lead or the projects that I work on, right? And of course, there's a place for that on the resume. 
But what we found what most employers are really looking for is really answering that so what question. Okay. Employers don't want to know that you're a cybersecurity analyst or that you are a IT project manager. What they really want to know is that you're a damn good one. Okay. And so we need to be able to show that. And so the underlying message of that first goal is that no matter where you've worked, no matter what you've done, I want whoever's going to read my resume to know that I'm somebody who's going to figure out a way to do a good job and instill in them some confidence that if you were to hire me, you could be really sure that I'm going to figure out a way to do a good job for you. All right. And a good way to test this is to look at your resume, right? And let's say you're an IT director, you're an IT project manager, whatever it is, right? Look at your title and read what you have underneath that on your resume. And you have to think if there was someone else who had the same title as you, same job, same title, same company, you guys work side by side. Every morning you're coming to work, you're killing it. You're doing a fantastic job. But this other guy, he's not very good, but he's got the same title as you. Could he, on his own resume, write exactly the same things that you have on yours, right? And if you're just describing what you do, then he can, because those are the responsibilities of that title. He holds that position. But what we really want to show is not what you do, but how well you do it. Okay, and so that's the number one goal. The second goal that we have, almost as important or just as important as the first goal, is a good resume makes the case that you're the best candidate, but a great resume, a really good resume, makes the job of whoever's looking at your resume easy to know that you're the best candidate. And so what I mean by that is, look, when someone picks up your resume, you want to make sure in a matter of a few seconds, they can answer these two questions very quickly and very clearly. What is it that you're trying to do? And what do you bring to the table as it pertains to that specific position that you're targeting? And the easier you make it for them to answer those two questions, the more effective your resume is going to be. Spoon feed them what they want to hear, what the audience member wants to hear, not what you want to say, not an archive of your work history, but what do they want to hear? And so the reaction you want when someone looks at your resume should be, oh, yeah, 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 this looks a lot like what I'm looking for. Let me take a deeper look, right? Now they're spending more time on your resume simply means you're spending less time on someone else's. Now your resume moves on to the next round instead of competing against two, 300 candidates, you're competing against five. You go from a less than 1% chance to a 20% chance of getting that job or getting the interview. And that's the goal of the resume. So I think as you think through your resumes, listeners, you know, think through those two goals and think through how you might be able to apply some of those things. Uh, and, you know, I run a webinar uh, once a month for job seekers. You can go to right to our website, yournextjump.com. You can register for that webinar right there. And I walk you through how to do that visually. So I show you resumes um, and we break down those accomplishments. We break down how to write them. Um, so we'd love for you guys to join. That's so informative. I want to put it out there. Yournextjump.com is uh, Timothy's website. I think you made such valid points when you talk about the purpose of a resume, because I don't think, I mean, when I do resume talks and I'm no, nowhere near doing what you're, the level of resumes you're doing, but from a recruiting perspective, reviewing the resumes and seeing the resumes, um, and how you said a, a, a manager, as you were telling your story, or, or as you were saying, I want a manager to, to the manager's like, yeah, I want to, I want to know more about that person. I actually thought of a story of a manager that I was sitting with in person, and you know, typically as a recruiter, you're not 
it's not often that you get to sit in front of a, ma a manager with either, you know, two laptops across from each other or they're viewing it and you can see their eyes, right? And so a few years ago, I was, um, you know, working on a contract and I had a manager and I was able to actually see, sit in his office and we reviewed the resumes. And I could see, so I'm sitting behind him. He's looking at his laptop like the way we are now. And I'm sitting behind him on the other side so I can see his eyes. And I'm seeing him go through resume, resume, you know, like, oh. And then he gets to one and his eyes light up just like how you said. And his eyes are like darting all over, all over, all over. And it made me think of, you know, I gave a talk about this because it made me think of like you seeing something like a steak, like, you know, whatever your favorite food is like salivating yeah. over this. Resume. And I, I said to myself, this guy is salivating over this resume. He's like, who is this guy? I want to meet this guy. This is what I want to see. He's doing this. And, this, and, I, and I, and I had to pause for two reasons. One, I had not been in, you know, with, with the, well now COVID, you know, post COVID, but in the middle of COVID where nobody was seeing each other like eye to eye to be able to see something like that. Yeah. Um, but even beforehand, you know, we're not really, like I said, sitting across from a person to watch their facial expressions. And this guy, his eyes were completely lit up. So I asked him like, what is it about this resume that you like? And he's like, oh, he's doing this. And this is what we plan to do. He's doing this. He has these additional skills that, you know, this is our future. So he was looking at this particular piece of paper and thinking, wow, you know, if this person has the skills that they say they have, I can use them not only in my current situation, current role, but for all these other things that we have coming down the pipeline. Yeah. So, um, Tim, I think that your point of making your resume jump up, jump out, like, oh, this is a person that I want to see more. I want to, I want to meet, um, is so key and that's really the purpose that purpose the, the resume is that hook you know to get you in to yep. meet to talk more about uh what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis yeah so, exactly yeah and add to, and adding to that you know there that guy was when he was looking through resumes there might have been three other people that were as qualified or even more qualified or better or better yeah. than that than that other person right but because their resume didn't catch the eye, right? It, it, it didn't make the case. Like maybe if the guy had spent, if he's like, I'm going to dedicate 10 minutes to each resume, maybe he could have figured out that these other people might be better candidates or as good of a candidate, but who's got 10 minutes, right? If I'm looking at, if I'm looking at 300 resumes, if I spend one minute on each one, that's 300 minutes divided by 60, that's five hours. No way, no breaks, right? The reality is they're going to spend about five to 10 seconds. So those five to 10 seconds are crucial because once you can capture their attention, right in those few seconds then you've earned the right for them to keep take a deeper look at your resume and so capturing their attention early on in those first seconds half seconds you know you know that's really really key uh, uh uh for your resume and so there's some there's some key you know ways to do that as well so yeah yeah yep. for sure absolutely so now take us to the next phase of this so we get into the resume, the manager is like, I want to meet this person. This person's amazing. And we go to the interview component. Yeah. So, you know, people really, really get nervous when it comes to interviews. So talk to the audience about, you know, the purpose of the interview. What are some of your recommendations? Some of the things that you've seen? That yeah. would be great. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think by the time you get to an interview, right, you, you have to think to yourself like, hey, I'm, I'm at the interview stage, right? And, and so that means there's interest. There's interest. They, they already feel to some degree that you are possibly the right candidate um, or at least one of, you know, one of the best, right? And that's why you're invited to an interview, right? Oftentimes, especially in this market, you know, there's just so many people applying. If you make it to the interview stage, congratulate yourself. That, that's a big accomplishment, right? But when you get to the interview stage, one of the things that you really want to sort of think about, right, is, again, what is your audience looking for? So when we talk about resumes, we think about what does the audience want to hear? And in the same way, you want to think, okay, if I'm at the interview stage, what do they want to see in the candidate? Okay. And so when we talk about the ideal candidate, one way to, to sort of look at it is, and, and, and we find this way to be helpful because it helps you with answering almost any interview question because you can pass it through the lens of these three things. And we call it the three C's, right? We call it the character, chemistry, and competency. When you have the intersection of those three things, that's what the ideal candidate is. That's what they're looking for. Okay. And so when we break those down, if we talk about character okay we're talking about integrity right we're talking about uh and integrity can be shown in different ways so i'm not just talking about being honest not stealing pens from work and those types of things right what i'm talking about is this right when you're at the interview right sometimes they'll ask you a question why are you leaving your current role right and the real reason could be something as crazy as yeah you know what you know our company just got bought out by another company the environment is terrible it's a really toxic environment and um you know just like you know the new management is terrible right you can say all these things and those things might be 100 percent true okay but if you're saying that in an interview okay there's two things that happen number one is they're thinking look i don't know you and i don't know that company I don't know if it's the company that is co company culture that's toxic or if maybe you're just a toxic person and I don't want to take that risk, right? That's number one. Number two, they're thinking you're talking about this company like this, right? And they're like, look, if I hire this person and uh, let's say two years from now, he decides you decide to move on to another company and he's going to interview, is he going to talk to that other company about us? Like the way he's talking about this current company that he's working for, right? And so there's character in that. Show some wisdom in that area, right? You don't need to lie. You definitely want to be honest, but that doesn't mean you got to tell everything, right? Talk about the things that are positive. You know what? I had a great experience. I had a really good run at this organization. There's some people that really took time to invest in me. I've learned a lot. I felt like I was able to contribute in a really meaningful way. And, uh, you know, I like to take my skill sets to a new organization like yours. I feel like some of the things that you guys are doing are really cutting edge or really neat. And I feel like I can jump in and really bring a lot of value. Um, I'd love to learn a more about what you guys are doing. Okay. That's character. When we talk about competency, it's not just can you do the job? Because at this point, they feel like you can do the job, right? But this is also where you're talking about ability to learn. Do you pick things up quickly? right? Are you easy to work with, right? Those are really important. A lot of times you can ask managers, a lot of times they'd rather have somebody who's smart, pick things up quickly, easy to work with versus somebody who has tons of years of experience in a certain area, right? If this guy is smart, he can pick things up, he'll be able to run with us, right? And then the last part, this is the most important part of every interview. And I think that's the chemistry part, because this is the part like, do we want to work with this person, right? That, that's the question. That's where they're going to ask you those questions. Yeah, uh, tell me about a time that you had conflict with a coworker. You and your employer disagree on the direction of the project. How would you handle that? What is your greatest weakness, right? Uh, and, and those are the things where they want to know, look, 
you know, we're, you know, the image is, you know, this company, we have one goal, we're pushing this big ball up the hill, right? We're all hot and sweaty. There's days where it's going to be tough and hard. Do we want you to stand next to us pushing that ball? Are you going to be complaining? Are you going to be helping out? Are you going to be offering help? Like, how how are we going to, what is it going to be like to work with you? And that's actually the most important part of the interview. That's what people really want to know about chemistry. So, um, yeah, so as you think through different questions that they ask you, and we can talk a little bit about some questions, but when you think through those questions, think about those three things, character, chemistry, and competency, and try to answer those questions through the lens of those three things. So, Great points, Tim. Awesome point. Um, I definitely want to get into, or I, I want to reiterate a couple things, that the couple points that you made, especially in terms of... Um, the, the toxicity, the beginning, you know, and, and everyone knows, you know, there's like, like we said, there's lots going on in various companies. Um, but that is so key because I think people don't realize how much they can be, sh they shoot themselves in the foot by making complaining and, you know, showing up that way. And I, I love how you said these are the two, this is the reaction. This is what the person on the other side of the table is going to take away. Yeah. They don't know you. They don't know the company. You could be the toxic one. They could be a toxic one. They don't want to take that risk. They're like, yep. you know what? Mm -mm. And yeah. then your second point about them, if they do hire you and they do say, okay, they overcome these various things and they hire you, it's like, okay, well, what are they going to be saying about us two years from now? Because nobody's perfect. None of yeah. these organizations have every single thing buttoned up. So, I mean, giving that perspective, I don't want us to miss that. Um, I think that was, that's like spot on because people, people don't understand it. Even, even when it's informational, yeah. I've had a few people that I've referred over, they come, you know, they've showed up to me and as a recruiter, you can tell me pretty much anything. Like I, you know, I'm going to coach you. So I will tell you, you know, you can say it to me, but you don't want to go to an interview and say that. Like, I want to know the, the real deal because I am looking for culture fit to your point when you said, you know, the chemistry component. That's where the culture fit comes in. And I think people, when they say, when people hear, well, you're not the right fit, it's typically that. Can I work with this person? Can I, yeah. you know, am I going to, to your point, the hot, sweaty days? everyone's pushing this boulder. We're all moving forward. Are you going to be the person complaining? Are you going to pitch in? Like, how are you going to interact with the team members? Yep. And then sometimes it's purely like the personality because maybe the manager sees something or the leader, maybe with the peers, it's like, oh yeah, but the leader sees something, you know, with the dynamic of the team because you don't want to bring a person in to rock the boat of your team. Yeah. Um, so that's a piece, that's a component too. So, um, the points that you brought up about a, you know, the, the, the part, the character component. Um, what was the second piece? Uh, character, chemistry, and competency. Chemistry, competency, right? The competency yeah. component. And then the chemistry, <clears throat> which I think is the one that's the vaguest for people. Yeah. Um, you know, they feel like, oh, I didn't get the job. You know, they're so dejected when it's not even really about your skills or anything. You just weren't the right fit for that particular scenario, that role, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, so no, that was a really, really good, um, a good breakdown. So where do you see people, you know, I've seen in my career that people get, they feel very dejected, 
Like they don't get the job, you know, they feel like they did something. What am I doing wrong in the interview? And sometimes it is, sometimes it definitely is about coaching, but um, talk to me about how, you know, when people come to you, what are some of the things that you see that folks have, are doing wrong that's easily, you know, that can easily be corrected? And whilst I, I'm trying to stick to one question, yeah. <laughs> I tend to ask all these questions. Let me stick to one. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, right? When, when you're, when you're doing the job search, um, I, I have a few different thoughts, you know, on this, right? Because people will come to us, and, you know, they might, they might say, um, you know, sometimes some people expect, you know, some guarantee, some outcome, right? So, can you guarantee that I'm going to get an interview? Can you guarantee that I'm, I'm going to get a job offer, right? And, and the answer is no, right? Because there's so many factors that come into play. I, I don't know how many other people apply. Look, in this market, there could be 400 people applying to the job, right? And you could be really qualified, but there could be 50 other people that are really qualified. You could have interviewed really well, but there could be a whole bunch of other people that are interviewing really well, right? And so you have to sort of understand that, right? And so, but but we want to give people an edge, right? I mean, that's, that's the point of our company is, you know, we always tell people, look, I can't guarantee you these outcomes, right? But what I can tell you is this, the marketplace is always going to give you the most honest feedback. They're going to tell you very quickly whether they want you or they don't, right? You either get the call for the interview or you get the thanks but no thanks email or letter or whatever it is, right? And so those things, those things will come, okay? But, you know, our goal really is what are some things, and everybody has some type of leverage, what are some things that you can do to help increase your chances, to use the leverage that you have, right? So obviously we talked about resume, how do we improve your resume, right? To, to try to, it's all numbers, right? To how to get you to that next round. How to, every time you get to the next round, you're competing against less and less folks. The, the probability of you getting the job goes higher, right? All of those type, all of those different types of things, okay? So we talked about resume. Uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, if you get to the interview stage, but I think there's also something in between, right? How you run that job search and not just the, the getting the interview, but also how do you run that job search? And we also break that down into, we, we call it, we call it two fronts, right? We like to have these sort of imagery things to help people think through things. So we call it the, we call it the air war and the ground war. Okay. The air war is you going on LinkedIn, career builder, zip recruiter, USA jobs, you know, zip recruiter, you know, indeed, or whatever it is, you know, finding job postings, submitting your resume and like kind of waiting to hear back. Okay. And, and, and there's some, there's some value to that, right? And these, these job boards are good because they, they show you what the jobs are. They show you what the jobs are available. You can find the job postings. You can see what some of the employers are looking for by reading through those job postings, right? They, they have value. But where we like to coach our clients on is to really do that ground war portion of the job search, okay? And that ground war, this is the hard part, but I also want to make your job search not just efficient, uh, effective, but I also want to make it efficient, Okay. And so I think for folks, you ought to spend a lot of time also doing that ground war. And what that ground war is that networking piece. Okay. And this is where you really want to tap into the networks that you have and the networks that you don't have. When we talk about recruiters, right? R Renee, I mean, you as a recruiter, you're incentivized to place good people, right? I mean, that's, that's how you, that's how you get compensated, right? And so recruiters, especially if you've been working for a while, if you're good, when you reach out to recruiters, right? They want to help you. They they want to they they're matchmakers. They want to help you get into those types of roles, and they want to make sure that you're a good fit as well. Because you know 
you have to stay there for a while, right? They, they, they in order to get compensated, they want both both parties to be happy. They're, everyone is incentivized, right, to work with them. And so, connecting with recruiters and headhunters, and not just submitting your resume, I think also just connecting with folks, right? I mean, let's just say you want to work at I don't know Booz Allen, and your background is in machine learning. Okay, so you just put in LinkedIn, you know, Booz Allen machine learning, and then just pull up some folks that are up there, right? And maybe put in your school. Maybe you went to Penn State. Okay, Booz Allen Machine Learning, Penn State. Put those three things into LinkedIn. All of a sudden, maybe you get a dozen hits or you get 12 people. Reach out to them. You're not asking for a job, but you're asking for a conversation. Yeah, hey, my background's in machine learning. Heard some great things about what you're doing at Booz Allen. Heard some great things about the culture. Would love, I'm a Penn State alum. Would love to grab, you know, grab virtual coffee with you sometime. Do you have maybe 10, 15 minutes? And when you have that call, maybe one out of 10, two out of 10 people respond. But when you have that call, don't ask for a job. Don't say, oh, you know, do you have any job postings? What you're asking for is, yeah, just a conversation. Yeah, I've heard some great things. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you guys are doing? You have a good conversation. A week later, you send them a thank you email. Hey, John, it was really good chatting with you. I really enjoyed our conversation. I saw this job posting at Booz Allen. I thought it might be a really good fit. What do you think? All of a sudden, John is like, yeah, Renee, it was really good chatting with you. Send your resume over to me. I'll, I'll pass it over to Susan. Susan oversees that department. All of a sudden, Susan is getting your resume directly from John, what's in the organization. She's going to look at it. Even if you are not the most qualified person, now you're not fighting with those 300 people through HR. All of a sudden, John is showing your resume directly to Susan. And again, you might not be the most qualified person, but if you're qualified and Susan like what she sees, she brings you in for an interview, boom, you're ahead of the line already, right? I'm not guaranteeing a job, but I'm trying to give you ways to, to, to create opportunities for yourself. And you have to do that. You got to create opportunities for yourself um, because if you don't, I mean, no one's going to do it for you. Okay. So you got to create those opportunities. Um, and then I think, I think one other point is like, Job searching is hard. Okay, let's just put let's just put it out there. It's hard. It's not easy. It's a full-time job in and of itself. Like put some rigor, put some discipline into it. We had a client, he had two cups like this, right? He had two little cups like this, and he had 50 paper clips that he put in one cup. And he just put this right on his nightstand. It's visual, right? I love visual things to help us think through things. And he would say, Look, every night before I hit my my head would hit the pillow, I had my laptop there in bed. I would either apply to 50 jobs or a mixture of 50 jobs or connecting with 50 people before my head would hit that pillow every night. Every time I, I connected with someone or applied to a job, I would take one paper clip and I put it in the other cup. And until all the paper clips are moved over, I, I wouldn't go to sleep. Okay. And he made that a goal. He didn't make the goal getting a job. He made the goal making sure every 50 paper clips moved over to the next cup every night. And that guy, he put rigor, he put discipline, he put a system in place. Before he did that, he worked with us to make sure his resume was in place. He's not just putting in the resume, you know, and, and just, you know, just submitting it and just kind of hoping that it goes somewhere, right? Because if you have a bad resume and you keep putting it in there, you're just going to get the same results over and over again. So he made sure everything was buckled down and then he put the system in place and boom. He did Kobe Bryant on it, right? He went, he went, he went, uh, you know, he went Black Mamba on it, right? He put discipline, rigor, all the time, and everything that he was doing, and and he loved the process. He fell in love with the process instead of just falling in love with the idea of getting a job. He said, "Look, I'm going to make this my every night. I'm going to make this my goal. I'm going to do it." And and he did it. And and his end result was he got a great job. He got a really great job. And so I'm not saying like, I can't guarantee you an outcome, right? If you come work with us, I can't guarantee you certain things, but I can tell you there are some things that work. And if you put it, uh, the process in place, you will increase your chances significantly. So. Fantastic. Fantastic. It is hard. It's very, very hard to job search. And yeah. it takes a lot of mental energy. 
And, um, but I love, I love that story. And I, I had, I remember having a friend who I had, she would get so, I have a couple friends that they've been in companies a long time and they get so nervous and so wound up when it comes to job searching and interviewing, which I know, you know, for me as a recruiter, that's my day to day. So people interviewing yeah. and all that stuff, right? So try, I try to put myself in their shoes sometimes. And I gave one a piece of advice and I said, you know, you have to kind of like your point that put the, your client that put the rigor in just like, and you have to not sweat what will, what the outcome is because of that chemistry piece. Like, even if you could be the best, you could be this, that all of these, there's so many things that need to align. Um, and we can't, nobody can guarantee that. Like, yeah. we don't know what the manager is going to be like when they get on a call with you. We don't know. <laughs> nobody yeah. knows. Right. Yeah. It's all yeah. just that chemistry, that human interaction. Like we don't know a lot of the pieces. Um, so she was a person similar to your your uh, your client who put the rigor in eventually. And she uh, she was like, why? Why am I not? I was like, don't worry about the ones who don't call you back. Just keep doing, you know, yeah. just keep yep. at it yeah. and not worry about why you're not getting callbacks. Um, or all of these other various things. Now, obviously, in your client's case, he had the good resume. He had, you know, like you all had prepped him. So, you know, I tell people if they're not, and this is a, you know, a, actually a plug <laughs> for you, if they're not getting, if you're putting your resume out there over and over and over again, and you're getting a, like an immediate turn around, like they're rejecting you immediately, that could, could very well be a resume challenge like yeah. there's something up that's with your resume something is mismatched so you're either applying to the wrong jobs you have the, the resume is not aligning something is off and that's when you can reach out to tim um and his company and so you know your next jump and then have them do you know your assessment or whatever it is that you do to see if uh, the person is the right fit um so Tim, we're at about 36 minutes and we don't have a ton of uh, folks on. I know Eli said something. Hey, Eli, I'm going to shout out some people who are here. He said he loves my hair. Thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> Tess on LinkedIn, say hello. I mean, not LinkedIn, on YouTube, say hello. And uh, Anastasia, when you were making the points about, you know, the interviewing strategy, she said good point here. So folks, if you have questions, ask away because we are going to, you know, get into our um, wrap up very quickly um, tonight. So Tim, is there any other advice while we wait to see if anyone else has any comments or questions? Um, you know, when, when folks are job seeking, is there any advice that you would give them um, outside of all the things that you've already talked about? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, I, I think you know, I think putting a plan in place is is really important. You know, kind kind of like what I what I talked about. I think also you know think about leverage. Everybody has some type of leverage. Even the person who you know has a family of five needs to put food on the table and just got laid off right everyone has some type of leverage and so think about what are those things that you can do um i'm going to post something on, on linkedin just a, a story that i was um reminded of um earlier today just about asking you know and i think 
um, you know, one of the things that, that, that my dad used to always say was, you know, when I was a little kid, I always remembered, you know, I was always afraid to ask for something. I don't want to talk to adults. You know, you're always afraid and you kind of want something. And my kids are like that now. And I'm always teaching them. I'm like, you know, just ask. Okay. Cause, cause the answer is always no, if you don't ask. Okay. But if you do ask, there's a, there's a chance that the answer is yes. And, uh, and not only that, you know, especially for kids, like as a kid, if you ask, a lot of times the answer is yes, you know, like adults don't want to say no to kids, you know, on certain things. So, you know, like we go to this restaurant and they give out these little, um, what do you call those, uh, like those glow rings. It's like a, a light up ring. And uh, we go to this restaurant. It's one of our favorite Korean restaurants. And they used to give these out. And my, my daughter, who's seven and my four-year-old, you know, they, you know, they always want the light up rings, but they don't give it to you unless you ask for it. And I always told them, I'm like, they're like, can you ask? And I'm like, I'm not asking for you. You got to go ask yourself. You know, you got to ask yourself. And in the same way, you know, when you're networking, you, you, you got to ask, right? And you got to ask, you know, not just the recruiter, you got to go on LinkedIn and reach out to folks, you know, in, in those organizations, have those conversations, right? These are the ways that people know who you are. Like if you're applying through Indeed, I mean, there's 400 resumes coming in. How do they know who you are, right? But if you go in and you're, you're networking and you're talking with folks, right? And, and there's a good way of doing it. Like don't, don't be annoying about it, right? But, but go in and, and, you know, just ask like, yeah, I've heard some great things. You know, would, would really love to just connect with you. Right. And again, I can't, I can't guarantee you an outcome, but I've seen so many times after working with over 8,000 clients, like people who do that, who aren't afraid to ask, you know, they, 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 they get jobs a lot quicker. I mean, that, that's just, that's just the truth. Um, and so don't, don't, don't be a, a, a afraid to, um, to do that. And so, um, yeah. Um, I see a question here. Hi, Tim. I try to apply outside of my state. That way I get to practice my interview skills. Do you think that's a good idea? I think I, I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea. Um, Paul, I'd love to invite you. Again, I run a webinar you know, once a month for, for job seekers. It's free. There's no sales pitch or anything like that. If you go to my website, yournextjump.com, you'll see a banner that comes down. And there's a whole, a third of my, of my webinars focus on interview. Um, uh, and I talk about tough interview questions, things like that, that might actually help you, um, you know, as you think about practicing your interview skills. But yeah, I, I think it's great. Um, I think you can look up interview questions as well too. Um, but, you know, Paul, it seems like you're, you're being really active um, and just being proactive in the way you're doing things. So I, I think, I, I think, I think that's great. Um, and even outside your state, who knows, you might land a, a pretty sweet remote job too, as well, if that's something you're looking for. So um, yeah, you know, that's uh, more than ever before, more than ever before companies are, are open to remote work. Um, you know, they're open to all, all sorts of, you know, different types of things. So, um, you know, there's a, you know, the Bible says, you know, knock, you know, knock on the door. Right. So, and, and so, so definitely, definitely do that. Um, guys, that that's probably my, my biggest advice. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to post something on LinkedIn uh, probably tomorrow where I tell a story about how I landed a pretty sweet internship, you know, by doing that after getting rejected a few times. So, um, so definitely don't, don't be afraid to ask. So. Another question, uh, Tim, the questions are coming in. Okay. Tess says, when increasing your networking circle, should I accept every request? What's the best approach? Yeah, I, I typically do. I mean, unless somebody is, you know, really actively selling me something, or sometimes there's just some things that are just, you know, kind of fishy, like when you're like, oh, this person's like, you know, from out of this, you know, out of country. And not that all of those are bad, but sometimes, you know, things don't really line up. I think, I think, I think use your sense. Um, I definitely 
except uh, mainly because you know I'm trying to grow my LinkedIn presence. I'm I'm trying to build that audience. Um, so it's a little bit a little bit different. You know, as as a job seeker, I I, I don't think it hurts to accept you know requests. But um, take a look at what what they're asking for. Um, oftentimes, um, if they're trying to sell you something, you'll you'll see they'll, they'll usually put a note in there. Um, but then also look at the profile and and see what what that person is and see if it makes sense on, on why they're why they're uh, why they're accepting so or why they're uh, asking you to accept a, a, um, a an invite. So definitely good point on the the looking at the profile. I'm a huge proponent of that, especially if they're. And I know people are building a network, but if they have no connections, yeah. then it's kind of, you know, like, is that a bot? You know, what's going on there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in that case, I'm kind of skeptical, but, but I'm, I'm a, I, I like the idea of looking at the profile yep. and seeing yeah. what the story is with the profile. I, uh, I have one piece of it, you know, I see Kevin's um, question here and I'm going to, I'm going to answer that in a second, but before I forget, mm -hmm. if we have time, okay. I just want to offer one quick thing that I, that I also notice is, um, is uh, after you interview, right? Even with a recruiter, um, say thanks. You know, send an email. Just say, hey, you know, thanks so much. Hey, Renee, thanks so much for your time. You know, I really appreciate it. I know you're working with a lot of different candidates. Um, really appreciate you spending a few minutes to chat with me. Um, Renee, let me ask you: When someone does that, how does that make you feel? It does. Amen. I mean, right? People yeah. don't do it all the time. Yeah, mm -hmm. people don't do it all the time. And you know, people yeah. go through interviews and they don't say. And I say, thank everybody. Don't just thank the yeah. interviewer. Like you know, there's a guy. You know, when I interviewed at Booz Allen, there was a guy. Um, I think his name was John, maybe one of the admin assistants or something. Like he set up all this. He sent me the email. You know, he's like, hey, this is you know where you need to meet. Um, here's how you park. Here's you get. Here's where you get your parking voucher. When you come, you should come up to this floor. Um, I'll meet you. Um, I'll prep you before the interview. Um, get you a drink and all that stuff. I sent him a thank you note. I was like, hey, John. You know, on a day where I felt, you know, pretty anxious going into an interview. Um, you know, your directions, your email, um, and just, the, you know, when you met me, you just, you just helped, you know, put me at ease and I really appreciate it. I'd love to work with someone like you, um, you know, and, you know, hopefully, you know, have an opportunity to work, to work at Booz Allen. And, uh, and it was just great. I mean, it, it really took me like uh, two minutes to write that email, but you know, that's when we talk about chemistry, character, competency, that's character. Right. I and mean, who doesn't want to work with somebody who's like that? Right. Who takes time to say thank you, you know, appreciates you. I mean, that that's I mean, I want to work with someone. And there's these all these surveys say, you know, something like 80 percent of candidates don't write, you know, thank you notes. But but, you know, for almost 100 percent of recruiters and hiring managers, it, it makes a big difference. It talks about who you are. Do I want to work with this person? So uh, that, that's my little soapbox. I'll step off of. I did see two questions that came up. Um, Renee, I don't know if I don't see them on my screen anymore. Yep. I'm going to okay. put I'm going to put put them up. OK, cool. Um, OK, so KJ right. wants to know where can I send my resume to be critiqued? Thanks in everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't typically do resume reviews, but um, if you send me a schedule call with me, um, and I will talk to you and just mention that we we uh, that we met on this uh, on this podcast. Um, but if you go to my website, you can schedule a 15 minute call with me, make sure to send your resume and I'll, I'll definitely give you some resume feedback uh, on that as well, too. So um, just go to yournextjump.com and I think go to contact us, you should be able to, to schedule a call with me. I'd, I'd love to chat with you, KJ. Awesome. So Myra says, what are some ways to find entry-level cyber roles, cyber apprenticeships that you would recommend? She's asking for a connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 
Um, and, and Renee, I, th I think you might actually be able to answer this question a little bit better, but a few things I'd recommend, especially if you're getting into sort of entry level cyber, right? And so for example, I work with a lot of teachers um, that are looking to transition out of teaching. Um, and that's a whole other conversation, but there's a lot of teachers, especially in the public schools right now that are just for a variety of reasons that are just looking to transition out of teaching. Uh, and they all want to do, you know, they, they, they're not sure what to do, right? And some of them, I want to do ed tech and, you know, because word education is in it, but, but a lot of people don't really want to do that. They just feel like that's the only thing they can do. But, um, but there's a lot of folks that are doing things that are entry level. They want to get into cyber. Um, check out some of the certifications. I think, I think that's big. Um, I think companies check the box on a lot of those things. Um, Renee, maybe you can chime in on that a little bit more, but I think, um, you know, as you do the entry level, find out what those certifications are, find out what they're, what are the most respectable certifying bodies and work towards those certifications. And I'm talking about going back, I'm not talking about going back to school. I'm talking about certifications that can be quick, not necessarily easy, right? Maybe a lot of work, but you can usually get them in a few months or so. Uh, those types of certifications, getting those on your resume, I think are really good. And also a lot of these organizations will have funnels into entry-level positions as well too, right? Even coding schools like General Assembly, those types of places, they have a lot of partnerships with companies to, to do those things. So, um, but again, what are some ways to find entry-level? I think make yourself presentable, clean up your resume, do some of the things that I talked about earlier on the podcast, get those certifications, make sure that they're they're up, up front, especially if you're transitioning out of something that maybe was unrelated to cyber. Um, and then I should network the heck out of it, right? Just start talking to folks, right? Hop on LinkedIn, talk to folks in these things. Um, and then there's a lot of different types of entry level type programs. Um, a lot of people don't know this in the federal government. For example, my wife works for, um, for the bureau um, for the FBI, she used to work in HR many, many years ago, and now she does BPR work. But um, uh, with the FBI and many, many federal agencies, they do something called direct hiring. If you have graduated with a degree, any degree, it could be a master's degree, it could be a bachelor's degree, and from an accredited school and your GPA is above a 3.0, you can get um, direct hired. And what that means is you don't have to go through USA Jobs. That means you can go directly on their website and you can go to a new grad program uh, and apply for positions, either internships or, or positions directly there. Um, and so that's that's something that, that that's really great. So if there's any listeners either live now or, 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 or later um, who might pull up this podcast, you know, if you've graduated within the last three years, have gotten your degree within the last three years and have above a 3.0 and are looking to get into the federal government, into the federal space, there's a lot of really good entry level programs there that that are um, not as competitive as going through USA jobs. So. And to add on to that, not as competitive as the um, commercial market. Yeah. So, yep. Um, Tim is absolutely correct. I was talking about this, I don't know, last week around um, federal government jobs and just government as a whole for mm -hmm. entry level talent. Because yeah. it is, Myra, a struggle for um, entry level cybersecurity in particular. There's just not enough entry level cybersecurity roles out there. Yeah. Um, they're few and far between. There are hundreds of people vying for the handful. Um, the handful that are out there. So, you know, there's a couple different ways that people can make their way into security. One way is exactly, I mean, this is the, to me, the simplest and the easiest and most straightforward is exactly what Tim described. Um, then another one we talked about last week, uh, whoever was on Breaking Into Cybersecurity last Thursday, um, CISO, was it CISO Thursday? Yes, yes. Um, 
his name is slipping my mind, but he talks about pivoting, you know? So to Tim's point, you have a teacher, you know, they have other skills, you pivot, you get, you get into one area, you know, something that's adjacent to what you're doing now and then pivot again. So this person, he was a sysadmin and then he moved into um, another role and then dev, DevSecOps. So he was able to like, you know, make a bunch of lateral moves and stay on an adjacent path so that he was always kind of touching cybersecurity um, from an entry level perspective. And he made this comment. He said, you know, I know that help desk gets a bad rap or he doesn't want to go down a road of sending people to the help desk because, you know, who wants to have a college degree and a master's and be sitting on a, on a help desk. Um, but the help desk, um, you know, you, you touch so many various things. So if you can do it, you know, you can, but um, there are other areas, there are other ways to break into security that are outside of um, if you're if you're already working. Now, if you're a brand new college grad or grad or a brand new high school um, grad, then um, that's going to be more, you know, focusing on well, from a college grad perspective, focusing on the federal government because that's a direct path. Um, high school is a little bit, you know, more complex because you'll need additional certifications, experience, and all that other stuff. So, no. I would, I would agree wholeheartedly with Tim. So, um, Tess followed up, wanted to know how often each week or day should she engage online with other people. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think in addition to applying for jobs directly, I think you should split your time 50-50 with engaging with people online in the way that I talked about in terms of doing that ground war. If not, maybe even more 60-40 or even 70-30 with engaging with, with folks. I find, we find that, um, that that often leads to jobs a lot, a lot quicker. Um, again, you wanna be strategic about it, um, but engaging with people, engaging with the right people um, is, is, um, is, is really important. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the, 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 the job market, the way that you, you apply for jobs is, is different than it was maybe a decade ago or two decades ago. I think LinkedIn has definitely changed things. I know LinkedIn is for most recruiters in most industries. I think LinkedIn is, uh, is, is a, is a pretty essential tool. Um, and so, um, so I think, you know, getting on there is, is pretty important. So. Yep. I will double down. It's the go-to. It's my yep. very first. It may not be all the tools that I use, but it is the first one. It's the yep. very first one. And most recruiters, it's the first place where we go. Yep. Um, okay. So Paul says, my previous, my previous employee keeps checking my LinkedIn. Should I be concerned? Uh, I don't know. So your previous employer, so you're no longer working for them. Is that correct? If it's your previous, I mean, if it's your current employer, I don't know. But if it's your previous employer, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they really miss you, right? So, I, I mean, it could be, you know, I mean, and, and I always, you know, I think whenever you leave a role, you know, as as best as you can, try not to burn bridges. Um, and I'm not saying that you are or whatever. I'm just using that as an example. But, you know, definitely, you know, I always like to maintain contact with, you know, even my previous employers. I mean, I've been self-employed you know, for, for several years now. Um, but I always try to keep in touch with old coworkers um, and, and, you know, previous, you know, uh, folks that, that I've worked with or worked for. I think, I think it's always just a good thing. It's a small town. It's a small town. Actually, I'll tell you a story. Um, 
when I worked at um, when I worked at Booz Allen, I had a manager, and um, uh, that I worked with. You know, we had a pretty good relationship, right? And uh, so we actually, we were we were kind of almost co-leading. So it wasn't necessarily my manager. And then uh, he just did better than I did. When we switched over to Grant Thornton, you know, two years later, I didn't keep contact with him. All of a sudden they're like, Hey, you have a new manager and in walks the guy that I worked with, you know, two, two years ago. And I was like, Oh man, I, you know, if, if I had left on bad, you know, terms, you know, with him or anything like that, that would have been bad. So always, you know, it's a small town, um, you know, as, as big as Washington is or wherever you guys are calling from, you know, it's a small town, you know, people, uh, you know, especially if you're in the same industry, it, it kind of comes back. So, um, so no, I, I, especially if it's a previous employer, I certainly wouldn't be concerned if it's your current employer, um, you know, I ask this question. So people ask me all the time because we help people rebuild their LinkedIn's and uh, and they'll say like, you know, I don't want my current employer to know that I'm you know, looking for a job if they see that I'm updating my LinkedIn and all this stuff. And there's privacy features that you can turn on and off. And there's job seeker feature where you can turn off your current network and, you know, only be open to positions to people outside your network and things like that. There, there's those things. But at the same time, right, you know, if if your boss came up to you and said, hey, you know, Paul, I noticed that you updated your LinkedIn uh, profile, right? You know, simple answer is, you know what, actually over the pandemic, one of my goals, you know, back in 2021 was to update my LinkedIn. I, I interact with so many different types of people, you know, as part of my job. And look, I just didn't get to it. 2022, finally sat down and made myself get to it, you know, and um, yeah, I wanted to, that was one of my personal goals is just get my LinkedIn updated, right? Doesn't mean I'm looking for a job, doesn't mean any of that stuff. It just means, look, LinkedIn is important. And, uh, you know, I interact with a lot of people as part of my, as part of my role. Yeah, I just wanted to get it, you know, get it updated and make sure that I, I want to make sure that I'm representing your company well, right? Something like that. So, um, yeah, there's always, there's always ways to, to kind of talk about it. So. Great tips. Great tips. Okay. Questions are coming in. Um, right. A couple other, I know we have, we're at five minutes after the hour. So I just want to, you know, quickly wrap this up. Kevin KJ said, thank you. Myra uh, said, wonderful tips. Thank you both very much. I think this was, thank you, Tim and Renee. Um, so a couple, comp, you know, definitely like to shout out our folks. Paul Prey says, great, thanks. Um, so David Garrison, so we'll take these last two. Um, Eli says, you looking for a job shouldn't be a negative view from a supervisor and is a red flag of toxic leadership in my eyes. So, I mean, they could be nervous. So it could be, you know, it could be like they're anticipating what could happen if you leave. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're a flight risk and they really need you, they really need you. I, I don't necessarily think that all the time might be toxic, but it may be like, okay, we really need this skill set. And if this person walks out the door, like, what am I going to do? So they yeah. might be, you know, it might be heightened in that perspective. Yeah, um, I agree. So Hugo says, I appreciate all the insight and info. David had a couple questions here. Um, David Garrison said, is that still six years for military retirees? And I can't remember when in the conversation we talked about this, maybe like six or seven minutes ago. He said, or is that only for the Pathways program? I don't know if this was like a federal, David, if you could clarify what you meant, is this for the federal <clears throat> roles um, right before we jump off? Because we're a little after, we started a little bit late, so we'll end a little bit late, but um, if it, David wants to jump in, go ahead. 
Oh yeah, no, um, no. I was just gonna say, yeah. I mean, we. So it's uh, okay. My questions were in reference to the direct hire positions direct that Tim hire. mentioned. Yeah. So I, I know there's a. I, I don't know for military folks. Um, I actually should look into this a little bit more because, um, you know, we, my company just, we, we want to contract with the U.S. Navy doing TAP work, Transitions Assistance Program. Um, David, you probably know what that is, and and so we just, we just worked with some sort of senior officers, uh, you know, with with the U.S. Navy, um, and so yeah, there, there are, um. Uh, and this, I think, I, I know, I, I don't know in terms of the direct hire, but there are in USA Jobs, I know there are preferences for veterans, um, you know, when you talk about sort of the point system and things like that um, with with veterans. And so definitely take advantage of that. Um, I know there was some push before to make that only for the first job coming out of the military, first job into the into the federal government, and then sort of equaling the, the uh, equalizing the, the playing field after the first job. I don't know where the rules are on that. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, as, as a veteran, you know, definitely take advantage of, of, of some of those, you know, um, some of those opportunities, uh, especially if you're looking to, to get in, in, into the federal government. Um, yeah, so. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you all. Such great engagement and questions. Tim, thank you so, so much for staying and staying yeah. over. I appreciate it. This has been super informative, as you can tell. Please tell people again, your company, what you do, how they can reach you, and all those good things before we wrap. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Renee, and thanks everyone for joining us. Um, again, my name is Timothy Lowe. Um, I own a, 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 I own a, a small company called Your Next Jump. We're based out of the Washington, D.C. area, but we service folks all over the country. Um, and we help people with their resumes, LinkedIn, uh, profile build out, job search strategy, and interview preparation. And that's pretty much what we do. And so we are essentially a professional branding company. Uh, but if you're looking for a job, you want to help you want help standing out uh that's uh that's that's what that's what we do and, and um uh we run, we give away a lot of free resources um so if you go to our website yournextjump.com um you'll see a little banner that pops down we run a webinar uh, specifically for job seekers 98% of people who log in and we've had 5000 people attend this over the last 2 years 98 percent of the people who log in stay until the very end of the one and a half hour webinar. So um, I do think you'll find it to be really helpful. The direct link to the webinar is yournextjump.com forward slash get hired, G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D. So would love for you guys to join. Um, you know, I talk a lot more about all the things that we talked about here. I show you visually some of those examples. Um, but yeah, really, really glad to be part of this podcast. Renee, I think you're, you're doing a great job, great service for, uh, for folks. Um, yep, exactly. That's the URL right there. So um, yeah, thanks so much for this opportunity to, to be on this. And, and I think you're, you're doing some really awesome work to, to help folks, man, there's so many resources out there and this is um, and, and like this, um, and this, this, this is one of the best. So. Thank you so much, Tim. Yeah. Okay, folks. Well, thank you so much, Tim, again, for your expertise. You gave some really, really great insight. And I love talking to people who do this, you know, in mass. So when Tim talks about 8,000 clients, 5,000, so he's talking, you know, he's seeing this over and over and over and over again versus, you know, a mentor or someone who sees it occasionally and hires occasionally. That's why, you know, I love the expertise from folks like him um, to come in and give their perspective because they're seeing so many different scenarios. Um, so, Tim, again, thank you. Folks, thank you all, the audience, as usual, always asking great, engaging questions. Please, like I said, continue. Well, I have to plug Federal Career Connection. We're both on the Federal Career Connection board. <laughs> so, 
um, join Federal Career Connection. Look, look up Federal Career Connection. It's an amazing resource. Yeah. Everything is free. Uh, if you want to break into the federal government, definitely check them out. Check us out from a, you know, uh, tons of programs. I think twice a month on um, their webinars. And then obviously, you know, it would just, I'm going to sign up for the yournextjump.com, get high slash forward slash get hired and listen to that webinar because, you know, look at the little bit of information that you received here today and imagine the wealth of information that you're going to get when you get on this webinar. So definitely do that. And then um, I know we have a podcast tomorrow at 1 p.m. Cecil Thursdays. I'm not sure who our guest is. And then Chris Fulon, my podcast co-host, has uh, his 1 p.m. show. We'll break it into cybersecurity, the original one, on Friday. So a lot of us this week, <laughs> back to back. And we will see you again next time. Everyone have a great evening. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.